All right, so when the subroutine compounds the interest, right, it uses all these extra decimal places that just get rounded off. So we simplified the whole thing, and we just we round them all down and just drop the remainder into an account that we opened. So you're stealing? Uh, no, no, you don't understand. It's, uh, it's very complicated. It's, uh, it's, it's aggregate, so I'm talking about fractions of a penny here, and uh, over time, they add up to a lot. Oh, okay. So you're gonna make a lot of money, right? Yeah. Right? It's not yours? Uh, well, it, it becomes ours. How is that not stealing? I don't think, uh, I don't think that I'm explaining this very well. Um, okay. The 7-Eleven, right? Mm -hmm. You take a penny from the tray. From the crippled children? No, that's the jar. I'm talking about the tray. The, the you know, the pennies for, for everybody. Oh, for everybody, okay. Yeah, well, those are whole pennies. Right. All right? Uh -huh. I'm just talking about fractions of a penny here, okay? But we do it from a much bigger tray, and we do it a couple of million times. So what's wrong with that? Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, this is your co-host, Pierre Richard, and uh, your other co-host, Michael Goldstein. Michael, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, it's, this, this episode has been a long time coming. Uh, we've just had a lot going on. Oh, yes. Way too much going on. So um, I'm actually, I'm, so we've, I've mentioned this in a prior episode, but I'm moving from New York to Austin, and uh, we stumbled into the decision of building our own house so i've been having to like deal with making way too many decisions around that um and and then just all the standard bitcoin lightning stuff uh taking up a lot of time uh yeah just remember had you bought more bitcoins in college uh you'd be able to afford just a beautiful you know uh mansion right on the river yeah, yeah, I know. Thanks for rubbing it in. Uh, instead, I'm I'm gonna afford a tiny home, <laughs> and uh, that's that's the way it is. So yeah, if people want to join our Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> so that I can uh, pay the mortgage and pay off our our, our Honda CRV. <laughs> um, so yeah, th that and then on on the Lightning side, uh, so there's been a number of things. Um, the node launcher, the latest thing that I'm very excited about, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm in a huge debt of gratitude to a prior guest of ours, uh, Justin Moon, who is uh, doing the Biddle Bootcamp, which is a bootcamp that allows you to uh, learn how to code uh, while doing Bitcoin related things. And he actually has had some of his students uh, help out on the node launcher and specifically on uh, adding a Tor integration. And oh, excellent. Yeah. So so now um, I, I have this this branch. I'm, uh, so they did a fantastic job. Uh, I'm just making it so that you don't actually turn on Tor. It's just on and uh, when you open it and uh, it's just Tor by default. And if you need to disable Tor, well, go find something else because this isn't for you. Um, and well, you know, I'll add a button to turn it off later, but it's not a priority. People should right. be I mean, Tor. what are I think we may have even discussed this on the show before, but what, what are some downsides to running on Tor? 
Uh, so uh, the only downside that I have noted is that you uh, initial block download takes longer because Tor is just slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a concern. Um, I I haven't researched it yet, but I wanted to research like how how can I mitigate that concern uh, by essentially like is there a way for me to directly connect my uh, people's node launcher Bitcoin D to my Bitcoin D? Um, over like Tor, but in a direct channel, if that makes sense. Like, so that they but that's the, that defeats the point of Tor, right? Which is that you're routing through different people. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose, uh, you know, for some instances of Tor, you don't want your IP to ever be seen uh, by right. the internet at all. Uh, the other big one is just when you're broadcasting a transaction, you don't want the IP. Um, so for a lot of users, it might just be good enough to, you know, uh, you, you start off not on Tor to do the uh, block downloading, but as soon as it's synced and you want to send a transaction, that's when you uh, restart it and get on Tor. Yeah, my, my concern with that was that like you're, you're tying your IP address to Bitcoin usage. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's privacy problem there. But I'm not an expert on privacy and I'm not an expert on Tor. So if any listeners are, uh, please... Uh, get in touch, and I'll, I'll be happy to walk you through the 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 Tor settings that we're putting into the node launcher. But um, basically, the idea is that you start the node launcher. It goes, it downloads the official Tor binary for your operating system. It downloads the official Bitcoin binary for your operating system, and it downloads the official LND binary. And then it starts Tor, and then it starts Bitcoin. And then it starts LND once uh, initial block download is finished. Um, so now I think that, and and all, it does all of this without you having to do anything as a user. You just open up the node launcher and it starts doing these things. Um, so I've tested it and it worked on Windows and Mac OS. I haven't tested it on Linux yet because uh, I don't really use Linux except for my routing node. And I don't use the node launcher with my routing node. Although, like, I, I have in the past, but I stopped doing that because I essentially, like, turned off the monitor and don't really use the GUI anymore. I just SSH in. Um, actually, speaking of which, something else I want to do, it, which is completely ass backwards, but I want to create a command line version of the node launcher <laughs> um, because now it's bundling all this really useful stuff together uh, where even in a command line scenario, like, you can just... Uh, be using Tor and and Bitcoin and Lightning and one command. You're you're finally appeasing me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not written in JavaScript. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> um, yeah. So that and then um, so uh, so the uh, there's a LND gRPC Python library that's being maintained by Will Clark. Who is another student of uh, Justin Moon's Biddle Bootcamp? By the way, uh, there I just saw Justin tweeted out there's going to be another Biddle Bootcamp in a couple of weeks, so definitely uh, go find uh, Justin Moon on Twitter or Google Biddle Bootcamp. I'm pretty sure you can find it uh, just off of Google, and if you can't, uh, contact me and I'll, I'll provide you the link um, because it's just a great way to learn how to code uh, and to the, the to- alumni are just kicking ass. Yeah, the alumni are kicking ass. I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, so Will Clark is maintaining the LND gRPC library, and he's actually working on adding uh, loop support. And excuse me, uh, loop is a 
technology being developed by Lightning Labs. Um, technically, it's called like reverse submarine swaps. I think loop is better marketing. Or So loop out is a reverse submarine swap. And I think loop in is just a normal submarine swap. Anyway, I'm glad that they came up with a better word for it. <laughs> uh, easier to say. Um, so currently, there's only loop out, which essentially allows you to take um, capacity you have in a channel uh, in, in, on the Lightning Network and have it go straight to a Bitcoin transaction without closing the channel, which is a huge advantage for a merchant because a merchant naturally accumulates capacity because they are receiving payments and they want to be able to flush that capacity to their hardware wallet, you know, to like to, to their cold storage or whatever, or to an exchange where they're going to sell it and uh, for fiat um, because then they need to pay their suppliers and employees and fiat or whatever, and their rent and, and their taxes, you know, this is where the, uh, this is, this is the part um, where the chartalists get excited. They have to, they have to loop out. Finally, to... finally, our app coin is, is yeah. usable for something. <laughs> for that split second, you have to hold it before you pay the IRS. Uh, that is what gives the dollar its values. The com the sum of those split seconds as you're looping in, in and out. Anyway, <laughs> um, Chartalists are going to be really upset when the IRS is running a lightning node, but <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the surprise for them. Uh, anyway, uh, well, so are libertarians. It's funny, both libertarians and Chartalists are going to be upset when th when that happens, but uh, that's okay. Um, the 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 loop out saves you having to tear down a channel and open a new one. Um, so th th currently, they only have it as kind of a command line. Uh, developer focus like SDK almost um, and we're going to bring it into the node launcher we're going to wrap a GUI around it uh, once uh, once we get around to that basically after Tor um, so that's exciting and I think that uh, now now I'm how, how will it yeah. be into the GUI will it be like a button that just like passes an address onto uh, lightning and has it flush out a given amount of money or honestly i have no idea because i haven't even used loop uh i've just read about it um i one step at a time i'm like uh you know taking it one day at a time as, as i try to integrate all this stuff but i i i don't know this this is starting to get into scope creep right where like now the node launcher is for channel management as well <laughs> because of this um so i think i can just create a very simple like Select the channel that you want to, you know, flush out. Uh, put in how many sats or the maximum amount. Put in a, an address and then hit send. I think that'll work, uh, but it, I think it might be that simple. Now, oh, here's something else I'm very excited about, which is kind of related. Uh, the next version of Bitcoin Core will have all of this stuff about like partially signed Bitcoin transactions and output descriptors. And I, to my eternal shame, you know what? Actually, I'm going to blame Chain Code Labs for this. I'm not taking ownership of it. They got me addicted to Lightning and I stopped following what's going on with the Bitcoin wallet. And so now I don't know what's going on with the Bitcoin wallet. And I have to rely on David Harding correcting me on Twitter uh, whenever <laughs> I talk about it, which is... Totally fine. I hope Raise he comes the on the podcast. Him. Yeah, I, th I hope uh, with the next release, he comes on and explains all of this stuff that's going on. But 
basically, the idea is that you're going to be able to connect your your cold card uh, hardware wallet. Uh, big shout out to Rodolfo Novak, who is a prior guest of the, the podcast, and he sells this really cool Bitcoin only. I th- well, I think you can like use Litecoin or something. You can also flash your own firmware on it, so you can do yeah, whatever you want with it. <laughs> yeah, and I think you can even write like Python uh, for the firmware. It's like this embedded Python. I, I, I'm not super familiar with it. Right. They they have chips now that, that uh, the chips have uh, an interpreter on it, so you can... You can do that. It's so cool. Um, so you'll be able to connect your cold card or your Ledger or Trezor hardware wallet to your computer. And currently, when you do that, uh, you not with the cold card, but with the Ledger and the Trezor, they're trying to be very user friendly. And as per usual, that means that there is a privacy trade off where you give them all of your information and then they tell you how much you have on your Ledger or your Trezor. Um, so with this, uh, it, with the improved Bitcoin Core wallet and um, this library called HWI, I think, uh, which uh, was Heart created- interface. Yeah, I think it was created by AJ Towns. And he, it's like part of the Bitcoin Core project now. It's, it's written in Python, which is great for me. So I think it'll be pretty easy to integrate it into the node launcher, where essentially, uh, you'll start the node launcher, and then you have your your savings account on your hardware wallet uh, that you you can connect, and it'll use your full node, so you won't have any privacy leakage, and it'll be using Tor, um, and so you won't have to rely on uh, querying the Trezor or Ledger servers and and doxing yourself, um, and you'll be able to easily send uh, Bitcoin to your LND on-chain wallet. And then you can open channels. Now, ideally, you could open channels directly from your hardware on-chain wallet um, by using partially signed Bitcoin transactions. And so I'm sure that that will be you know, in the future, but uh, currently, so that'll be awesome because then your, your savings account will be your hardware wallet and your checking account will be your channels. And it'll be pretty easy to just like, open and close channels to your hardware wallet, uh, you know, in a very private manner. Uh, maybe you throw in some Wasabi coin joining in there for fun. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the direction things are going in. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a huge thing too. Um, it, you know, with with the node launcher, uh, when it when it eventually has this, uh, finally, new people to Bitcoin kind of don't have excuses. Um, yeah, which are, are valid excuses. I don't yeah, even mean absolutely. to say that to to denigrate them because um, that infrastructure just has not been built um, such that uh, you know people can actually use Bitcoin in a, a in a private manner in an accessible way. Uh, but especially now, you know, there's the Esplora, uh, the the Blockstream uh, Block Explorer, which is a fantastic Block Explorer. I I often use their their online version. I, I still need to get my own up. Um, yeah, so I have this idea of creating kind of like a a plugins framework for uh, the node launcher that would allow you to one click install Esplora, ride the lightning, like all these different like little dashboards, and then it'll spin up like a local web server. And then you can, in in the system tray, you could say like open Esplora and it'll open 
a browser tab to your local host, or you know, it might even do some kind of DNS thing uh, in your host's file so that it's like, you know, local local .explora or something. Um, and that way, because like if I have it all bundled together, then that gets heavy. But I think that I could just have like a little install button and then have like little plugins like that that are helpful for for the power users. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I just think I, I'm very excited to see all of this infrastructure get built out um, because that is that is a hurdle because, you know, on the, on the one hand, we want to teach people uh, about Bitcoin and sovereignty. On the other hand, you know, the amount of knowledge uh, and time and energy it takes to actually implement a nice ecosystem, um, even you and I would admit, you know, different faults in, in our own kind of Bitcoin uh, ecosystem local ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be working on the node launcher if I thought everything was perfect, you know, like I'd just be using other people's software, which is perfect. So um, there's the, by by me working on this, like it's it's definitely an admission that the current state of affairs is is deficient. Now, um, I we, it's just we. the other thing I want to do is like have it so that people have like slick marketing around things. So BTC pay server has really been improving on that themselves. So like now their website is looking better and better. Like I, I still don't have a website for the node launcher. Like right now you go on like GitHub and stuff, which is okay because it's still like very much in, in its early uh, days and there's still like bugs in it. So it's not ready for mainstream use, but when it is ready for mainstream use, I do want to build out like, YouTube videos and the website and tutorials that really make things as accessible as the custodial default, right? And so like, I, I, I don't see why non-custodial inherently has to be more difficult than custodial. Uh, it's just, it's a matter of software development and then just user education. Like people had to learn how to use Coinbase as well. You know, it's not like Coinbase is like this super intuitive thing that everyone opened. Like right. it, it's like that today because you've been using it for years. But when you first opened it, it was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like I <laughs> even in Coinbase, unless you were using a full Coinbase commerce type thing where you're, you're using Coinbase to pay to a Coinbase merchant, you still have to copy paste addresses. You still yeah. like QR codes are popping up in your face. And, and it's you funny, people have been complaining about Bitcoin addresses since the beginning. And they've been talking about like the need of having, you know, like uh, a uh, an easy to use, like an email address. You know, people are always like, oh, why isn't there? Uh, and to this day, it's like, well, that's just how it is. And now we have like XPUBs, which is a, a big improvement. But everyone's learned how to use an address. So I don't think that like, when people complain about like Bitcoin's UX, I think that sometimes they uh, underestimate the user and like treat the user like a complete dum-dum. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's also, you know, in, in Bitcoin, you know, you're not supposed to reuse addresses. So to yeah. even have a persistent uh, identity requires a pretty hefty engineering to, to figure out some some method of, you know, presenting fresh addresses with that that permanent uh, identity. Uh, so there's been stuff like, you know, a Bit47 was an attempt to, to do that. And I, I know, I think it's Samurai Wallet that uses, uh, that has, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know they implemented it, but I'm, I'm not sure like how widely it's used or, you know, what that UX actually ends up being like. Um, 
it, meanwhile, you know, it, it really is not that difficult to just copy paste addresses. It's not. And to me, like the, the workaround is when I'm using like Jewel browser extension and I'm sending a payment, like there's no copy pasting going on. It's just like click on this and then click accept and then it sends a payment. Like, so there's, and but I can fall back on using the lightning invoice. So I yeah. like the optionality there. I think that one of the, the difficulties is, you know, just knowing that you, uh, <laughs> you're getting the right address. Yeah, that's true. So that, that can be an issue because, you know, any, any man in the middle attack can mean that, you know, your money is being sent to a completely different place than you think. So, you know, that, that is a place where permanent identity and various, you know, signatures and stuff like that would help. Um, so I, I have, I was, when I was playing around with Tor, I had this thought, Michael, which was basically that you could um, have it so that you're running a website as like a Tor hidden service or whatever. And that it's essentially, you know, like a, a stripped down version of BTC pay server where you can send people this onion link to, to send you money. And like they, you know, they, they like put in how much to send you and then they can pay it using uh, a uh, using jewel. And then uh, they see that it was paid. So it's like an, a personal invoicing server that would be in the node launcher. So then you don't have to do any port forwarding or anything. You don't have to do any web hosting either. You just send someone your onion link and then they, they open it up and then they go pay you for, you know, whatever. I've seen similar stuff with uh, uh, file sharing. Mm. Uh, I, I think it was called Onion Share. I used it a couple of times with a friend for funsies. Uh, if you wanted it, like say you want to share a big file and so it's, they're going to need a, a good connection to you and you don't want to share it on Clarinet or whatever, uh, it, it spins up a, a brand new hidden service just for the purpose of sharing that file. And you can share that, that link with them. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, yeah. The other thing, like, you know, addresses are coming a, a far away. Like uh, the, uh, is it, I actually don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Beck, Beck 32 or Bet? I, I assume it's Beck 32 and not Betch uh, 32 because that would be, uh, I don't know, maybe there'd be a lot of like mean girls uh, jokes or something, but. Um, I call it Bitcoin Cash 32. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the the Beck thirty two uh, in the latest Bitcoin ops, uh, also written by the wonderful uh, David Harding, uh, they talked about uh, uh, Beck thirty two uh, decoding, um, and I, they've actually been doing a, a series of these. Uh, but now you can kind of look, and and this week was about um, like uh, checking for errors, you know. So so we're getting to the point now where you know before addresses have a checksum so when you share an address like you know if you have a proper wallet it's like hey this is this is not a valid address because uh you know when you hash these things it does not meet what the the end of the address says however now with beck 32 it like it can to a degree you know if you have too many errors it just gives up but if you have for instance just like a single letter off it identifies exactly what letter you got um, incorrect, uh, which is really a powerful feature, especially because, you know, this really all, it's just an address. So you, the, the means by which you might be sending an address to someone and they might be, uh, writing it down or copy pasting or whatever it's, it, 
people can do whatever they want. Um, it's very important to have um, any kind of uh, check that you can uh, to make sure you actually got the information that uh, you you think you're getting. Yeah. Um, and so, so watching that, and they have like an online demo, so you can play around with addresses and see how it um, how it handles different errors. Um, it's it's very cool. So really, it's like while it should have some kind of uh, feature where if you manually typed in an address and got a letter wrong, like it should, the UI should help you. Because um, I don't know that. I've, to be fair, like I always copy paste my addresses, so I've never had uh, manually writing it in and seeing this problem. So I've never tested what the UIs do in this case. Um, but I imagine they most don't have that error correction help in there. Yeah, I actually, I, I likewise, I mostly copy paste, so I, I don't know. And uh, But even with copy paste, it's just like having that peace of mind uh, yeah. makes me feel good. Uh, because, you know, it, when you send every Bitcoin transaction is a terrifying experience. Uh, that makes you truly fear Satoshi. Um, so, like any any bit of peace of mind that I can get when I'm I'm sending any amount of bitcoins, um, and you know I've had to help people send uh, sizable portions of bitcoins before, and it's a it's a stressful experience. Um, so having this is just it's very good. We should just go back to fiat, Michael. This is too stressful. Yeah, I mean, if you mess up, you just call the bank. Yeah. Well, I but, don't understand. Why don't you Bitcoiners get how great that is? Nine times out of ten, it's the bank that messed up, and they pretend that they didn't, and then you're screwed. Yeah, banks, um, banks need banks need Beck thirty two support. That's the problem. They really do. They really do. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the on, on the tour thing, then then my mind started reeling as it does to towards like world. Um, sorry, a web of trust and like messaging and stuff but anyway that's perennial the, perennial uh, uh you know meme plex uh among our group yeah i, I can't get that stuff out of my head uh <laughs> every time uh, but like i i see it i see it the the node launcher and every this whole stack uh working in that direction and like once the money and payments part is like pretty sweet and so like another part that i want is that I want you to be able to install the Jewel browser extension. And if the node launcher is running on your computer, there's no configuration needed with the Jewel browser extension. You just click on it and it's like already synced and ready to go. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be possible because the Jewel browser extension is going to, I'm going to create a little REST API in the node launcher, which the browser extension will query for the macaroons and the uh, the LND uh, REST API uh, URL. That way you won't have to... Oh, and the SSL certificate, I think they're going to start having those be um, like Let's Encrypt uh, approved. So then you don't have that stupid error where they're like, are you sure you want to connect to your local host with this invalid self-signed certificate? Right, that ended up being one of the most uh, the the trickiest part of setting up LND and getting Jewel set up. Uh, yeah, was simply that and having to figure out. I, I at some point I don't know I don't remember if it was that specifically, but I've had to do weird things where I make my own local certificates. Yeah, I've been uh, there. It's a pain, and the uh, you can manually add it to your 
keyring in, in Mac OS. And I was trying to figure out like how I could do this in Python. So then I can just add, the node launcher can add it for you. And then you don't have to worry about it. That's one less thing to do when you're setting up Jewel. Um, but my, my initial experimentation did not yield results, unfortunately. Yeah. It might not be possible because Chrome is trying to be secure. Oh, <laughs> screw you guys. Now, uh, yeah. thanks for I making mean, our web experience more secure. <laughs> well, it, it it does become a problem because uh, you know the the Chrome Web of Trust or the Firefox Web of Trust might not always uh, match you know our Web of Trust. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, uh, seriously. There's, yeah, there's times where they might uh, decide that a, a website does not meet their standards, but it perfectly well meets our standards um, for for both you know technical or political reasons. Um, and in either case, it's uh, it can be an issue. <laughs> All right, Michael. Once I'm done with the node launcher, we're going to start our own certificate authority <laughs> with Bitcoin and hookers and blow. <laughs> No, I was just thinking of lightning payments and 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 web of trust, uh, <laughs> but uh, we can we can talk about the hookers and blood. I don't I don't think my wife would be okay with me doing that. I'll be honest. But if we're she hiring them, she's just not into Bitcoin as much as we. Well, are. she just doesn't understand. We might just be hiring them to code. You know, like it might not be. Yeah, yeah. this is actually a pro-social. Um, yeah. You know, once you get into Bitcoin, it's harder to justify spending money on high time preference uh, drug habits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's steer the conversation in a better direction now. Um, but yeah, the these certificate authorities. They also, I mean, a perennial. Uh, little Bitcoin, uh, you know, non-monetary thing has been like DNS, right? Mm -hmm. That was like, that was the, one of the first altcoins was Namecoin and people have like bit DNS and like all these little ideas about how to do things. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe our DNS will be Tor and then we somehow have that incentivized uh, with Lightning. I don't know. Yeah, one thing that has always... Uh... I've always wondered about with DNS uh, is does it actually need to be a global namespace? Right. Yeah, it should be a web of trust namespace, right? Like this yeah. person thinks Apple is Apple, so therefore this is a, this IP address is Apple. Right. Exactly. Like everyone could just have a locally produced, you know, as you're saying, like a, a Tor DNS. It's it's really just a, a public private key pair, um, and uh, if you could just uh, have everyone create their local, you know, kind of DNS that they like to connect to, or they like to connect to a remote one like we do today, um, yeah. you can do that, and anyone can be whatever they want. Um, and you have to you have to earn a a localized name uh, based on reputation uh, rather than uh, simply being the first to homestead a name. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've actually been thinking about how to get my lightningpowerusers.com website on tour and then having it so that to to buy inbound capacity, you actually have to be on tour. You can't buy it on the clear net. You gotta go on my dark net where <laughs> uh where where you, you buy the capacity. That way, like because I don't want people's IP addresses. Like yeah, uh, that's yeah. just and I don't want to tie their IP address with a Bitcoin transaction. So uh, it would make 
me happier if I didn't have that data. And like, I don't use it and I don't, I'm not like looking for it or trying to keep it or anything, it's but it's all a liability. It just leaks. Yeah. Um, and I don't like your negative externalities leaking onto me, which is what it's your pollution. identity is. Yeah. <laughs> Digital pollution getting on my server. Um, so right. in, 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 yeah. in the age of Bitcoin and lightning, it's absurd to even be uh, having that data whatsoever because you don't need yeah. it because no. you just have money. You can just show up with money. You can show up with a uh, just a plain certificate that just gets checked, you know, immediately and, and then, you know, nothing else. But like there's no need for IP addresses. No, there isn't. Um, and the other thing I've been thinking about the, on the Lightning Power Users website is having the ability to log in using your LND node, thanks to the uh, like signing with your pub key or whatever. Um, and then when you're logged in, uh, you can see what channels you have open with me and you can like close them or rebalance them and I'll like... Or you're you're really instructing me to close it, or instructing me to rebalance it, and then paying me for you know for doing that. Um, there's like interesting services that I could provide that way that are like more uh, value added, where like you would have to otherwise contact this person offline and have them manually do it. I, I wonder. I, I still uh, saw. Sorry, Will, but I still haven't um, had a chance to really play around with WebLN. But I'm wondering, too, if there's a way, you know, as you're surfing the web, if there's, you know, a website that includes channel information that you recognize to be uh, related to you, if just by seeing that, that on the site, a browser extension picks up on it and you can be communicating with your node to, to change the state of things uh, based on what you see. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think it's gotten to that point yet. Um, and yeah, huh. So the other thing, yeah, we'll we'll see. The, there's there's also like I've seen a number of Python libraries that are coming out that have like rebalancing scripts in them, and I'm wondering like if I integrate out the Node Launcher, and or integrate it with the Lightning Power Users website to like help people rebalance. I well, so the, the thing is, if I do it with my website, they can only rebalance with my uh, routing node. Although I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if I could rebalance for someone else, like uh, on their behalf. Uh, if they have a channel open with me and someone else has a channel open with me. I don't know. I've got to work with the math out on that. That might be a, something I could. I, I just came up with now. But um, I think it's better if, if they have the rebalancing ability in the node launcher itself so they're not reliant on my website being up or whatever. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, a cool lightning app that I, I saw. I haven't had I haven't had a chance to to play with it yet, but uh a, a guy by the name of Edouard uh Paris mm -hmm. uh came up with uh LN Top. So it's like an H H top, but for uh Lightning Network channel management. Um so it has the the classic uh look of H top for those who like kind of terminal apps. Um very Unixy. It's uh, it looks really great. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about trying that out. Hopefully, it works with a thousand channels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can go stress test it. Well, I the other thing is that like I haven't really been curating my channels much. They just like accumulate, and uh, I need to like go in and and um, do some you know like bonsai tree trimming is is uh, the modern equivalent, I guess. 
Yes,、uh, there's going to be a whole class of Japanese Shinto monks who who dedicate themselves to to crafting the perfect channel uh, uh, environment. Yeah, like feng shui for lightning channels. Just trying to be one with the network topology.、Yeah. You know, it'll be wide, world renowned as just beautiful and、uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael, is this for aesthetic purposes, or are they trying to maximize their routing fee revenue? What's the difference? <laughs> this is this is when you reach the next level when you realize、oh, yes. that 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 maximizing. Yeah.、Uh, why would those be in conflict? It is most beautiful. Yes. Did, did I not read Bastia's、uh, Economic Harmonies where he makes this very point?、Um, okay. So I'm excited about that. Although I. I, I don't know if I'll be one of those people because I I, I have like bigger fish to fry. It feels like because、uh, like yeah. Well, maybe you'll be like one of these Silicon Valley executives that has like some weird guru that comes in and probably scams them. Who knows if they even know anything about the、uh, you're right、uh, religious ideas that they're they're sharing. But you can <laughs> have one of those. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think that any any. Big player will be, you know, will have an employee or or someone who who's who's a consultant whose task is exactly that channel management. They come in and and trim the 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 tree.、Um, so yeah, what, what what's going on on your end, Michael? I、uh, just kind of、uh, working and、uh, working on some behind the scenes stuff with、uh, the Nakamoto Institute that hopefully I'll be able to announce soon. Awesome, fantastic! Looking forward to that.、Um, yeah, we've got the、uh, Bitblock Boom conference coming up. We're gonna have the、uh, Nakamoto Institute dinner on Friday evening. Before that,、uh, and the there's it, gonna be like a, a a number of events around that on it's, Thursday. It's gonna be absurd.、Uh, yeah. But speaking of the dinner, I've I've had plenty of people、uh, contact asking about you know signing up and stuff.、Uh, more information is going to be coming out on that soon.、Uh, so hold tight. Okay, awesome.、Uh, Jeff Andrews、uh, hosting like a a bodybuilding、uh, competition on Thursday. No, I'm kidding. He's just doing the、uh, barbell. What, what what was the name of his event? Oh, I barbells and Bitcoin. I think. Yeah,、um, a Bitcoin and barbells 2019. Yeah, so you'll you'll get some、uh, weightlifting、uh, pointers from. Someone who is, you know, a, a longtime weightlifter and also a hardcore Bitcoiner,、um, and you know, it's funny. Like you go to the gym and you see like some of the coaches, and they're like, they're they're a little chubby, and you're like, raise an eyebrow, like, really? Do, I get that you might be providing great coaching, and you know, but I I'd like to see a little bit of、uh, less fat in the game, you know. <laughs> More, yeah, more although there's also like the the Ripito school of strength,、uh, you know, Mark Ripito, and he he thinks that everyone should just be downing Big Macs、uh, constantly. But he's he's still he's strong, right? You know, like he is strong. If, yeah, he's not lean. He's, I'm not asking for for lean. I'm asking for、uh, strong and not obese.、Uh, you know, but anyway, let's not let's not dwell too much on people's physical appearance. Uh, I just mean in terms of fitness coaches, that, right? That right. Yes,、um, but also but it's, like it's gonna be great. I mean, he he has the、uh, Eventbrite、uh, up, and there's an agenda. He's gonna be teaching、uh, deadlift technique、um, yeah. and、uh, pull up technique and some other some other stuff, and we'll have you know discussion and dinner. 
And I don't know if it's public let public yet, so I won't reveal it. But uh, there is going to be some uh, very a uh, very special guest, uh, which I'm very excited about. Awesome, fantastic! Uh, and on Friday, I think that we've got two things going on. Uh, some people are going to the gun range, and they're going to be shooting up targets. And others uh, are going to my lightning workshop. Now, I haven't worked out exactly what the content of the workshop will be, but basically, you're going to learn about how lightning works under the hood. Uh, You're going to learn about some of the different tools and techniques out there for uh, everything related to your lightning node, Uh, obviously with heavy emphasis on the node launcher, but other other solutions as well. Um, And... Then, uh, oh, well, just being able to open up channels and send Satoshis around and uh, basically like that. I I support this division of labor. You have people uh, protecting your nodes technically, and you have people protecting your nodes tactically. Yeah, you know, it's funny because people are always like, oh, you know, there's a $5 wrench attack, you know, like you... how is Bitcoin going to keep you secure from other people physically assaulting you? It's like uh, a penny's bullet attack. <laughs> yeah. It's like you make an excellent point. And uh, I hope that you're, you are also a staunch defender of the second amendment <laughs> since <laughs> this is a physical security. It's apparently on top of mind for you, but strangely enough, I've found that the people who talk about $5 wrench attacks are opposed to the second amendment, which is uh, a little bit of an eyebrow raiser for, and a sign of maybe some kind of authoritarian in- incoherence on their part. Yeah, well, it's it's gross negligence to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, allowing people to find themselves in such danger. But Michael, what happens if you accidentally shoot yourself with your gun? Now your now your bitcoins are useless. Checkmate. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of those same. If there are no coiners, they'd also believe that money, you know, needs to be used by spent. So they should be happy that bitcoins are going to be, you know, moved on chain to the hospital bills and all that. <laughs> That's very sad. incoherent position they have. On yeah. Every every level. I heard that if you're a carnivore, that bullets don't harm you. Is that true? <laughs> uh considering considering the uh the lions that get that get killed in uh africa that people get upset about uh it it appears to be a no (laughs) well that myth got debunked checkmate carnivores you guys have been trying to spread that for a while yeah yeah yeah, eat eat your veggies uh so you don't get shot apparently yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah michael vegans get shot less than carnivores do have you thought about that yeah, but then they have to get B12 shots. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot um, of trade-offs. A lot of trade-offs. A lot of trade-offs. Uh, and then on, on Saturday, obviously, there's the actual BitBlock Boom conference. Uh, Michael will be speaking there. I'll be speaking there. Saifedean, Peter McCormack. Um, they're just like a long list. I'd have to actually go on the website. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of Bitcoiners, some altcoiners, okay, because Gary is a friendly guy and he's friends with altcoiners and uh that's okay but you don't have to hang out with them i won't be hanging out with them <laughs> and you know the people on twitter are gonna be like oh I, I actually got grief for there's this uh bus that's going from la to san francisco for the bitcoin conference into in uh in june that's organized by bitcoin magazine and and bitcoin magazine is actually pivoting from like being altcoin friendly to being like focused on bitcoin which is pretty cool um, but they they're organizing a Bitcoin conference. And then I had a 
crypto brecky uh who does like bitcoin related artwork on twitter and who's like uh you know friend of mine uh as as, as far as twitter friends go uh he reached out and was like hey do you want to take a bus ride to la i was like no oh, okay yeah sure that sounds fun um eight hour bus ride and then uh it turns out it's mostly altcoiners that are going to be on the bus uh but and, and so i was thinking to myself like all right well i'll just you know dunk on their altcoins and talk about bitcoin and lightning and and promote that uh, it doesn't have to look like that I'm endorsing their their ICOs or whatever. You know, I'm I'm not on Twitter congratulating them for doing an ICO. I'm just going on this bus ride and educating them about Bitcoin. But uh, people were upset about that, so I don't know if yeah, I'm well, do you it just now. need to tell them that uh, I'm not in there with them. They're in there with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm running this torture chamber. They're not. <laughs> Um, so I think I could filibuster on lightning for eight hours. Uh, we'll see. Even if they try to uh, uh, inter like uh, uh, interrupt, just continue talking. Yeah, I'm very loud. I can be very <laughs> loud. So I I don't need a mic or anything to uh, talk over them. And I'll, I'll be happy to do that. And then I can just start reading. I'll just start reading the Nakamoto Institute website if I run out of material off the top yeah, of my head. Take, take the Bitcoin standard with you. Yeah. Uh, they might need help just understanding the, the, the real fundamental basics. So you can, of course, take uh, the Bitcoin rabbi's book. They're, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I can read that several times. <laughs> and uh, also Programming Bitcoin that came out from Jimmy Song. So that's got plenty of good material in it. Um, and Start reading the code out loud, too. <laughs> yeah. C++ is really hard to read <laughs> compared to Python. Python is uh, more well, readable. So. Well, his, his book's in Python. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, reading out code examples in Python. I thought you meant uh, read out the Bitcoin Core uh, source code. Oh, I'd do that, too do that too uh there's, you go through there's, the revision history so people understand uh the the engineering decisions that have been made both open closed and not merged pull requests so that we can explain why things did not get merged uh yeah read back. the comments yeah on github uh the irc logs <laughs> early yeah. irc the, logs. the entire bitcoin wizards history yeah um uh, but by, by the way uh, 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 the Bitcoin Rabbi's book. I don't know if I, I think you've read it. Um, uh, yes, I have. It's, it's a great book. It is. I was. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, surprised makes it sound like I was not expecting much, but I was. I was surprised. Like it. It. It beat out my expectations. It. It. Yeah. It, it was excellent. It's going to really annoy the Grabers of the world. The 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 Graberists. <laughs> Um, because it, it doesn't conform to his uh, view of of how money emerged. But yeah. you know what? Bitville, Bitville was not in need of debt. They just needed yeah. a way to be able to trade their, their hot Why dogs. Why does Bitville and... not have debt slaves? I yeah. <laughs> Graver scratching his head. Where'd the debt slaves go? Uh, but it's a really great book, and I highly recommend... Uh, you know, anyone, anyone buy it for uh, and read it to to children and people who have a less than childish uh, view of money. Um, so sit sit down your local Keynesian econ professor and uh, just read this book to them. Yeah. So I actually met the Bitcoin rabbi in person uh, very recently. And uh, so I, I organized this uh, Bitcoiners NYC uh, meetup. 
And we'd been meeting up at the Standard Beer Garden uh, in Manhattan on uh, Fridays. And it's awesome because when you go there, you you buy tickets at the entrance. And then you go buy like a sausage with your ticket or a beer or wine or whatever. And so that means that you don't have to like pay the bill afterwards. It's uh, you pay up front. You get their useless shit coin. Uh, and it's a utility token that is actually a stable coin as well. Uh, and you go spend it. But um, that doesn't really work for the rabbi because that's Shabbos and he, uh, you know, is not out and about hanging out with Bitcoiners on Shabbos. So I was like, all right, we'll do it on a Sunday and uh, I'll find like a kosher uh, bar slash steakhouse that we can go to. And I found one. Uh, And the issue was that they... They're basically, it's not like the standard beer garden where you can just like walk in with 30 people and, you know, sit down and and eat. Um, They were like, oh, you guys don't have a reservation. Like, uh, we're all booked because this is when all the the Jews go out and eat, Uh, you know, like after after Shabbos on Sunday, uh, that's their night out of town. Um, So we had to stand at the bar, which I mean, was fine. Uh, but I, I was, I was hoping we'd be able to get a table. I should have, uh, RSVP would I should have known. Um, but it just hadn't been an issue, uh, before because of where we were. So anyway, uh, got to meet him in person and got to uh, hang out with a bunch of Bitcoiners. And, uh, we talked about all things Bitcoin for several hours. It was a lot of fun. Many such cases. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's funny because uh, they th- 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 then around the corner, so like it got kind of crowded at the bar. So we went around the corner, and the uh, the non kosher bar was empty uh, because clearly this neighborhood uh, was uh, tilted in a certain direction um, <laughs> religiously. So anyway, uh, it was awesome to to meet the the rabbi, and he is you know exactly. Uh, who he says he is. <laughs> He's a rabbi. <laughs> uh, and his his book, uh, he, he, he came with uh, copies of his book. Um, and I'd highly encourage people to buy it, not just to get the book, but to buy it using Lightning, using his BTC Pay server that he set up. That way you get the awesome UX of uh, using Bitcoin because it's actually, I, I find it to just be better than fiat at this point. Um, well, and he, he also uh, does a discount if you pay in Bitcoin. Very, very smart of him. Uh, and he told me he got, I don't know if this is public, I'll say it anyway. He got like a third on Lightning, a third on Chain, and a third in fiat, which I, th- I found to be an interesting mix. Maybe that's the, that's the future of uh, payments is uh, he's, he's on the cutting edge there. Yeah, well, I mean, it just, uh, you know, I think that that's been common uh, Bitcoin, a common Bitcoin argument for for merchant adoption is like you should be uh, selling things for Bitcoin at a discount and then saving the Bitcoins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that merchant adoption should be driven by merchants wanting to get Bitcoin. Yes. Um, and, And so like just that alone, you're already saving on the exchange fees. So versus you having to go buy Bitcoin. And then you also uh, get around, you know, KYC stuff because yep. you're, just, you're accepting cash from people. Yep. Uh, and that way, the uh, 
the authorities can't kick down your door uh, when they decide that they want to <laughs> take all your. But really, it's not even the authorities I'm worried about. It's criminals hacking uh, exchange databases and getting all your data. Right. Um, and, and, you know, major props to the Bitcoin rabbi for producing something that people are willing to give up their Satoshis for. Absolutely. That, that's, that's the, you know, that's the real heroic effort because anyone, anyone can just sell stuff for Bitcoin, but to actually manage to get people's Bitcoins, especially from Bitcoin maximalists, uh, that's a, uh, that's a feat. We got scammed by the rabbi. Oh, well. <laughs> Um, no, it's a, it's an excellent book and I, I look forward to reading it to my son. I started reading it to him, but his attention span right now is not sufficient. To get mm -hmm. through the high, high time preference. I know he's got very high time it's... preference. So I've got to train him on the marshmallows. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, he's actually, he's, he's, uh, starting to verbalize more and, uh, he's almost walking. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be, he, he's going to be saying Bitcoin soon. I'm training him. Good. Yeah. <laughs> what, what will come first, Bitcoin or Dada? Dada already came. So, okay. Uh, okay. yeah. Uh, Bitcoin or dollar? <laughs> I think it's going to be Bitcoin. It's actually like, it, it's it's a, a weird for me just realizing like how many, you, you're saying, you know, people spending hours talking about all things Bitcoin. Just thinking of how many times I've said the word Bitcoin in the past, you know, nearly seven years. Oh, man. Yeah. We're getting old, Michael. We should, you know, that's, it's funny how, like, I, I, I get occasional reminders from people of like, oh, Pierre's like an OG. And I always like cringe because I'm like, I, I don't think I was, a late, I was a late adopter. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, get, I didn't get obsessed with it until 2012. Like Roger Ver is an OG, you know, as much as uh, people don't like him or whatever, but like, or like Trace Mayer and like Adam Beck and uh, there's lots of other people. Actually, Adam Beck got into Bitcoin after us. Oh, yeah, that's he, right. He people gets, have given him grief. For that. Yeah, he gets the cred for having talked to Satoshi uh, prior to the white paper release. But his actual involvement in Bitcoin is uh, from after us. That's right. That's right. Um, and then he ruined Bitcoin. <laughs> with blockstream but anyway we'll save that for our our next episode of uh bsv live uh we'll be talking about adam ruining the the bitcoin blockchain but <laughs> um not not on this episode of noted this is for our btc audience so we try to be nice to adam. we try to car, car, uh, compartmentalize our our, our various uh, positions how, how we take that... we take donations from all sides for you know, our people... shilling content yeah, people get upset with like Peter McCormack, like having like Peter Risen on. But I wonder how upset people would be if you were a podcast host who hosts several different podcasts that are pro like whatever coin. Like you have like you a pro a, XRP coin. And you have like a voice modulator. So you just go by a different name. Or not even. You just <laughs> go by the same name and you're just outright like, yeah, I've, I have different audiences. And people are like, well, what do you actually believe? whatever i'm recording like uh, you know like whatever episode i'm on is what i actually believe but uh you know when i'm not recording a podcast i don't necessarily think about these things i don't have any strong beliefs about them i don't, I don't even know what bitcoin is i just someone yeah. said a podcast about bitcoin so i fired up the microphone put a mic in front of me and i can talk about bitcoin but outside of that like i don't really care about that shit uh yeah i i wonder how much tolerance people would have for that kind of uh jaded cynicism that's all about just uh, making money off of these communities. 
Yeah, uh, and I, I personally, I don't really give uh, Peter McCormack too much grief at all. Um, when... I'm the one who suggested Peter Risen to him because, in, to, to my view, like if Peter's arguments are retarded, which they are, then that will come across to the audience. Like we have to give the users, the audience, like credit in terms of you know, their ability to sniff out bullshit. And um, I think, I think Peter Risen was a, a great suggestion because uh, if we, if we look at the, the camp of anti lightning people, um, I, I would probably rank, you know, Peter Risen among one of the most, uh, you know, the, the best, you know, well, he's putting effort into uh, his, his uh, critiques, which I is more than you can say for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know that he would be the steel man because my guess is that lightning actual lightning people could steel man uh better than him yeah um, and that was that was a point that a lot of people were making on twitter against uh having ryzen on which is that uh, big, uh lightning proponents have better arguments against lightning than its detractors which i think is absolutely true there's no doubt in my mind that that's the case um but i still think that in terms of people who are like not big lightning proponents, like they, we should still hear their straw man bullshit so that just, if not for our education, then our entertainment. <laughs> right. I do think there's also just an element, you know, this, this whole culture of deplatforming. Yeah. It's like everyone wants to take place. And like, I'm a little, you know, bit of a contrarian on that. I like hearing characters of all kinds. I like hearing people on my side. I like hearing crazy ideas of absolutely crazy people. I watch Craig Wright videos. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I find them to be hilarious, uh, and um, and so I, I'm okay with. Like I'm not going to ask YouTube to deplatform Craig Wright because uh, I, I think that we would. I think he deplatformed himself. Well, yeah, he deplatformed himself from Twitter, and because he was blocking people, and then people were creating bots that retweet that like tweeted his tweets separately so that people could ridicule him. Uh, so they were trying to replatform him, uh, and and then uh, he was very upset about this and uh, had had copyright issues. Yeah, well, and unfortunately, like his medium posts are more incoherent than his tweets, which is saying a lot. So yeah, I I don't find reading medium posts that I disagree with to be entertaining. Like that's infuriating. Whereas like watching him talk, I find entertaining because like. There's a reason why there's like a, a personality cult that's developed around him, which is that he is charismatic and like it's, he's got that funny Australian accent that we enjoy so much. And, you know, he's up, up there in his three piece suit pontificating and that's entertaining. But then without without that, uh, there, his medium posts are, I find, a little annoying. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've always known him to be a terrible writer. Um, and a terrible producer of ideas back in, I think it was 2014. Yeah, before he claimed to be Satoshi, I, just, just, we knew he was, he was just a an crank. idiot. Yeah, we would troll him on Twitter and make fun of him because he was so he couldn't, bizarre. He couldn't spell anything. He was <laughs> trying to, uh, he, he was trying to invoke uh, Mises and some yeah. other Austrians in a, a he, he did not understand the concepts that he was dealing with. Um, and yeah, he, he, would, he would talk about like his his like computer setup that was like complete overkill for for running a node. <laughs> it was like it's like and then it, it was funny to me when he later came out and said like, like, oh, it's OK to spend like 20 grand on on your hardware. I think that he did that 
like before long before one would ever need to do and i was that. just rationalizing yeah <laughs> well we need bitcoin to scale so that i finally use my computer for what i bought it for <laughs> those those people who are able to run it on a raspberry pi are just getting too good of a deal yeah it's it, like <laughs> and it's it's shoving it in its face that he overspent on his computer yeah. By the way, the the hate on Raspberry Pis is is a very interesting and telling one. Okay. Well, hold on, because I hate on Raspberry Pis as well. I don't think that they're all that they're cracked up to me. But I I mean I don't use a Raspberry Pi, but they they it is used as a foil um, to describe what they believe as a person who thinks that they're helping the network by running a node, but not actually helping the network. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my take on this is yeah. is a fewfold. Um, one, if you're if you're running a node, it only matters to the network, so to speak. If you if it's an economic full node, you know, if you're actually right. using that data, and coming from like building on that, the other major thing is that you helping the network. It's not as though it's not really the relay portion. Like I don't even think my. Uh, ports are forwarding anything so i don't even think i'm i'm not relaying data because there is only so much that you you can really like help the network with that and you know if if the network was undergoing um a situation then you could you could flip the port forwarding on and you could be helping relaying but the real important part of how it helps the network is because you as the individual subjectively get this objective view of the network of 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 trustlessly having the blockchain data so that you can interact uh, with the Bitcoin network as a digital sovereign. That is the benefit of it, and it, you absolutely do help the help the network by being a a sovereign acting individual. Absolutely, I think that's a good note for us to close the podcast on. Uh, Run a full because, note. Download yeah, the Node this Launcher. Is, this is no, th this was the noted Bitcoin podcast, and. Uh, yeah, download the node launcher. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that I look forward to more plug and play devices that have a little more power on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and frankly, like I'm okay with pruning my full node uh, on the plug and play device if it means that you get an SSD that is performant. So right, right. I think that there's like trade offs that need to be thought about a little more in that area. Yeah, when can I buy my like server rack that has the full node on it? They just ship me so, the rack and I plug it in and go. Well, maybe maybe that's something I should be working on is like enterprise grade plug and play full nodes uh, where it oh, is for businesses. Yeah, for imagine for businesses. a business wants to get set up and it it launches uh, a node, it launches a BTC Pay server, it launches a Lightning node. Yep, launches everything for you. Uh, different services. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, with uh, with some ECC RAM and uh, some, some RAID hard drives. You're listening. I, I think uh, Square has a great uh, investment opportunity right here. <laughs> yeah, if they if they hire me for Square Crypto, then I'll start their hardware line. People will be like, "What the hell's going on?" He he was hired to work on open source software, and now he's he's building hardware. It's not cool. Um, but anyway, the other thing too is that like. I, I there's there's I, I want there to be a division of labor. So like, for example, the server side of things, I think that's getting taken care of pretty well by BTC mm -hmm. Pay Server, uh, by Francis Puyo's uh, uh, 
CypherNode. Yes. Um, so that uses like Docker images to bundle all these things. So I think that's great on the server side. And then on the desktop side, just having the node launcher bundle all those things. And then on the mobile side, that's where the big question mark is for me because I was like, all right, awesome. I got Onion Tor working on my computer. So now I can pair my Zap mobile uh, iOS uh, app to my laptop because it's Tor, you know, like it should work. And I scan the QR code and it's like invalid IP address. And I'm like, oh crap, they haven't built Tor into it. I start researching it. Apparently building Tor into an iOS app is non-trivial. So uh, I was kind of, I was, I was literally shaking, Michael. <laughs> I think it's probably easier in Android. I think it's Orbot or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff. And uh, Android, they're working on, you know, AB Core is still a project, you yeah. know, going strong uh, to run a full node on an Android device. But I want to be able to, like, use the same channels as I use on my computer. Right, right. That'll, that'll be a big thing, too, is setting up your, your local node and being able to... Uh, I don't even want to use SPV per se, uh, like as the term to use, but no, because you ha- might have your have your home base that you're connecting to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and using Tor is the ideal way of doing that, so you don't have to do port forwarding, uh, and it's you know it's easy that way. But uh, we gotta, I don't know. I, I'll 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 talk with Tim Cook next time I see him yeah. and talk about this because it well, Tor could be built I, into the you- iOS. Yeah, well, I've I've also told you about uh, zero tier, um, which can yeah. you, you get to set up your own kind of virtual private network, um, and it it does work on iOS as well. So I won't be happy until we have Tor, Michael. <laughs> I won't accept anything else. <laughs> All right, well, everyone, go run your full nodes, uh, and we'll we'll see you next time. Yep. Thanks. Bye. When you're trying to take ownership of a mistake made by a fellow team member, what do you do if the team leader? Ask for a step-by-step, step-by-step breakdown of events. I've said it was our mistake and not to, and not made excuses. But a step-by-step breakdown would expose the fact that he alone was responsible for the error. Mm, interesting. So he basically. Do you think that's interesting? It is. Wait, wait. So he's he's basically saying, okay, it's our mistake, right? right. I don't want to individualize this guy right. or, or, or so you know make him stand out or whatever. Um, it's our mistake and we're going to fix it kind of thing. And he's like, no, I want the step-by-step, but the yep. step, step, step-by-step is going to reveal, reveal that is the that solo. Was actually Bill's fault. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now what I do, I tried so hard to take ownership, but here's right, the problem. Right. It was actually Bill that was all jacked it's up. It's actually not my so fault. So it's actually not my fault is what we're saying. <laughs> it's, it's the truth, right? You get that, right? Yeah. Because check saying. it out. Who's responsible? Leaders when you when you're taking ownership of something, when you're taking extreme ownership of something, whose right. fault is it? Yeah, mine. Yeah, sure. Does that include when someone else on your team makes a mistake? Yes. But how can that be? Guts, man. It's your it's your team. <laughs> so let me ask you these questions. Here's what I'd be thinking: um, the teammate was in error. Why? Well, why did the teammate make a mistake? Why didn't the teammate have backup? Why didn't the rest of the members of the team? Why didn't I actually go through with him and make sure that he knew how to do that procedure properly? Mm -hmm. He's part of my team. 
we're responsible for this taking place. I knew he was a little bit shaky and I didn't do anything to fix it. That's why it's our fault. It's not our fault because we say, oh, it's our fault, but it's really Bill. Yeah. That's not that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> the point is, the point is to actually own it. So if my coworker fails, I'm literally saying to myself, what mistake did I make that my coworker dropped the ball? Yeah. What mistake did I make? My coworker dropped the ball. What mistake did I make? Did I not show it to him? Did I not ask him if he knew how to do it? Did I not ask him if he needed some help? Did I not confirm that he knew the procedures correctly? All those things are my fault. Did I not do a good job of identifying that Bill was a little bit slow on the uptake? And therefore, he needed a little extra preparation for this. And now now think about this. What can I do? Once I make those mistakes, okay, what can I do to fix them? And now think about this from a leadership perspective. You go down and you say, hey, you guys, you guys messed up this thing. Uh, why did it happen? Mm-hmm. Now think about the team where everyone goes, well, you know, it's our fault. Mostly Bill. <laughs> right? Sure. And I'll tell you, when I, when, when, when I look at a, a platoon and Bill made a mistake, I don't look at Bill. A good leader doesn't just look at Bill. A good leadership looks at everyone on the team, especially certainly the leadership. But I think this guy's talking about from a peer, but it doesn't matter. Mm. From a peer perspective, if there's a mistake that happens, we are truly responsible. And then from a leadership perspective, when I go down to the team and I say, hey guys, what happened? And they say, well, it was our fault, but this is what Bill did. Yeah. I go, okay, so you just drop and dime on Bill. I'm not gonna say that, but I'm like, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, okay. So it's all Bill's fault, cool. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say, hey, listen, boss, this is what happened. Here's the procedures we went. I don't think we did a good job of briefing Bill because here's what Bill did. He, he did step three instead of step four. My fault, we went through it twice, but I should have gone through it a couple more times and confirmed he knew what was going on. It's not gonna happen again, we got this. Yeah. Which guy are you wanting to work for? Which yeah. guy do you, which, which team do you want? Mm-hmm. You want the team where people are taking ownership of the problem, not blaming Bill. Mm-hmm. <sighs> ownership is not just saying we own it. Ownership is right. actually owning it. Yeah. And that's what makes it so powerful. What makes it so powerful is if you actually own it, then you actually look at Bill beforehand and you go, look, in our team, do we have any weaknesses? Yeah, we do. We got Bill. Bill doesn't, Bill can't get this part of the procedure done right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put Bill into this other position that's an easier part of the procedure. We're going to make sure he knows how to do that. Meanwhile, we're taking Mike and Mike is going to go down here and he nails this procedure and, and he's going to spend, by the way, an extra 15 minutes a day during lunch. He's going to get Bill trained up so Bill can eventually, that's the kind of thing you do on a team. Yeah, yeah you made it pretty clear, which is... Um, which is kind of because it's not that easy to understand or it wasn't for me anyway. I mean, it put it this way. It was it was very valuable when I did understand this about extreme ownership. I said this before, too, by the way. So there's there's essentially two parts of it that make it extreme ownership. Well, actually, there's three. Cause there's the dichotomy. But aside from the dichotomy, this is what it is. You take responsibility and then you say what you're going to do to fix the yes. problem. Right? And then actually there's a third part, which is you implement the solution. Yes, yes, okay. You, you identify Perfect. it, you own the problem, you identify a solution for the problem, and then you implement the solution. Yes. That's what you do. Yeah. So a lot of times, in the especially in the beginning, like I would just, as far as me just kind of casually trying to understand it, I would focus so much on taking responsibility. You know, mm-hmm. it was my fault, you know, kind of thing. It's like, mm, well, the taking responsibility, I mean, is arguably more, important than 
saying that it's your fault kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's essentially you're, you're taking responsibility of the solution as well. Yes. You know, if not, you because in a way, in a lot of practical cases, you don't even have to identify whose fault it is if you take responsibility of the solution. Like if, if I'm, okay, here. So if there's a, a football team, Right, uh-huh. that's like the epitome of team—not the epitome, but one, a good example of teamwork. Never mind the SEAL teams or whatever, but we'll go with it. Right. Football. Well, football is pretty—it'll <laughs> be more simple because it's so. Let's say, okay, we got a pass or whatever, and boom, the play—the the play starts, and a guy gets through the front line. Uh, let's say the guard mm-hmm. missed a block. Mm-hmm. Obvious, right? He missed it. Maybe he looked one way and he was supposed to look this way. He was supposed to not pull and he tried to pull or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just made a mistake. He just made a mistake. He's not mm-hmm. incompetent. He just made a mistake. Whose fault is it? The guard's fault. Okay. But if the quarterback is going to take extreme ownership, he's going to be like, hey, no part. Hey, this happened. You know, next time we, re- I'm going to remind him, hey, on this play, that play, you know, this red 46 yep. curve twist or whatever, you, like you don't pull. And he'll probably be like, oh, man, I know, I know. Don't don't scold him. Don't just be like, hey, you don't pull. Don't. Hey, no problem. But we're just not going to do that anymore. And then next time I call that play, I'm going to be like, you're good, right? I'm going to check with him. I didn't check with him that first time. He made a mistake. I'm going to check with him. He won't make that mistake again. Kind of like you when we were navigating, when we were driving, navigating yeah. me, you know? Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. The quarterback took responsibility for solving the problem. Yes. More so than he was like, okay, let's. Um, that was my fault and making a big deal out of it being his fault. Yeah. Even though in his head it is, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, this is my fault. I should, you know, I should make sure things are clear kind of thing. Like the weather too, you know, your weather. Yeah. Example. Well, what bothers me the most about this question is I feel like, I feel like I don't do a good job of explaining this because what bums me out is someone who whoever wrote this question and it's a good question. I get the question. I, I get scared that the person that's listening to the question goes, no, Jocko doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite get the fact that there was this one guy who was part of the team who made this mistake and no one, you know, we just, we can't hold his hand every time. Like mm. that's, it's not my fault. It's not our team's fault when Bill drop, completely drops the ball. That's not my fault. It's not anyone on the team's fault. And my point is, is exactly what you are saying, Echo. Yes, it is. And if you look at it, when Bill makes the mistake himself, he's alone in a room and he's supposed to, you know, he's supposed to put part A on top of part B and bolt them together. That's his part of the job. He's alone in a room doing that and he doesn't do it, right? That's 100% his fault. The answer is no, actually. Who's in charge of training him? Who's in charge of checking? Who, who? Not even in charge of. Who's responsible? We are a team. That means we work together. That means we confirm that we know how to do our individual parts of the job. That means we check and say, hey, Bill, are you good? Hey, Bill, let me check your first three that you do to make sure you understand what's happening. We do this together as a team, and it makes me feel like a failure that people have a hard time understanding this. And, and I know it's it can be a stretch. It can be a stretch. And, you know, I give all those examples. Hey, the machine gunner shoots in the wrong direction. Whose fault is that? It's not the machine. The machine gunner literally pointed the machine gun in the wrong direction, pulled the trigger, and shot in the wrong direction. Whose fault is it? 
it's the squad leaders. It's the fire team leaders. It's the platoon leaders. Because they didn't make sure that he understood his field of fire. Make sure he understood how to operate his weapon. And by the way, there's a chance that the reason that Bill screwed this up and Bill is incapable of putting these parts together correctly. And if that is the situation, guess what? It is a responsibility of the team to either get him trained up to where he can do it or to tell the leadership that this guy cannot, he's incapable of doing the job and therefore he needs to not be here. Yeah. That's what ownership is. That's what extreme ownership is. I think I know what it is. What 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 makes it confusing or sometimes kind of kind of slippery like to grasp, you know? Because it depends on who you ask. So a lot of times, the thing is, when when it's the machine gunner's fault, the thing is, if I'm if I'm not even a human being, I'm just a disembodied brain. <laughs> okay. It's the machine gunner's fault and the leader's fault and that it's everyone's fault. If I'm, di- you know, but but if you ask an individual person, because you ask a machine gunner, hey, he, okay, Jocko, you're the machine gunner, you shot in the wrong direction, and I ask you, whose fault is that? What are you gonna say? Now, My leader's fault. Well, it's it, your fault. No, well, let me let me tell you right now. There are plenty of people and definitely plenty of machine gunners that when they shoot that weapon in the wrong direction, you know what they say? I didn't get a clear brief on what the field yeah. of fire were. No yeah. one told, I didn't cool. see the, the markers for what the range limits were. I didn't know where the other blue forces were. Mm. No one told me. So they're mm. looking at it like it actually isn't their fault. Now you right. get some good machine, and, and actually, guess what? When you have a guy on, that's a machine gunner that says, well, it wasn't my fault, it was my leader's fault. You know what the leader says? You know what the leader says? What, good leader or bad leader? The the leader in this team. The leader in this team, you know what he says? No, it was the machine gunner's fault. Yeah, that's right. And now guess whose fault it was? It was no one's fault. Yeah. The machine gunner thinks it's the boss's fault. The boss thinks it was the machine gunner's fault. Now who's going to fix the problem? The answer is no one. No one, yeah. When you get a good team, the machine gunner goes, my fault. I should have paid better attention. The leader says, my fault. And now you have everyone taking ownership of the problems, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it's point. supposed to be. But that's my point. And that's why it makes it so Never slippery. mind your disembodied <laughs> no. brain that's making decisions <laughs> no. over here. I'm trying to make a point, though. <laughs> because I'm saying this is why it's hard for people to understand. That's why sometimes, and I'm, I'm with them. I'm like, I was there. It's kind of like, hmm. it's kind of like, sure, I'm taking extreme ownership. You know, the typical, I'm taking extreme yes. ownership. But, yes. you know, at the end of the day, we all know it's Bill's fault. But... The reason that it is so hard, because if I ask, okay, we have three guys. One of those guys is a machine gunner. The other guy's a leader. The other guy's just another team member. Uh, he's, you know, he's the, the sniper or something. Mm-hmm. If I say, hey, this machine gunner shot in the wrong direction. Individual meetings, I, they all take extreme ownership. All of them are down. They're in the game. Yep. All of them. I ask you, machine gunner, whose fault is that? What's he going to say? It's my fault. Okay, next guy. Whose fault is it? Fire team leader. My fault. I should have told him. And the yes, squad and leader. My fault. I should have told him. Right. Yes. So it the re now go back to the disembodied brain. It's kind of like wait, 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 wait. So it's like he did it. It's hard to grasp like that. One guy. It is his fault. The thing is, it's not just his fault. Apparently, because everyone said it's their fault. Right. So it was obviously his fault. But wait, it's everyone's fault kind of thing. So when you're the guy and you're saying, OK, his fault, it, that little thing creeps in your brain. That's like, yeah, wait, it is his fault. Yeah. You know, and, it, it, and, it you, kind of and you're wrong. You. Yeah. 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 And you're wrong. And I need to do a better job of explaining that to people because I see questions like this on a fairly regular basis, yeah. which is. But hey, really? You know, there's like, hey, I get ownership, but really? Yeah, that's what I mean. And it's the but really that you need to check yourself on. Yeah. Because the reality is you're responsible. Yeah. 
You. Wait, but if I'm responsible, what about the machine gun? He just said he's responsible machine gunner. You're so responsible. What? I'm no, but the machine gunner said he's responsible. See what I'm saying though? I think that's the feeling that that if you let up. that creep in, yeah. then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Have you ever seen Office Space? Remember yes. that? Okay. Yes, I have seen that movie. So really, when you think about it, okay, what's the big thing? The I don't TPS. have the movie memorized, yes, you do. though. Yes, you, okay, let me let me uh, remind you. Okay, <sighs> so in the beginning, they were like, hey, Peter, you, we're putting cover sheets on the TPS reports from now on. Or okay. we've been doing that. You, you forgot to do that, right? Uh-huh. So first Lumberg comes, his boss, first Lumberg yeah. comes. He's like, yeah, you know, saying, hey, let me read. He didn't do it in a dick way. Annoying for sure. But he said, hey. This is basically a reminder. Did you get that memo? We're putting cover sheets on the TPS reports. He's like, I, hey, I just forgot. It was a one-time thing. No problem. And he's like, cool. All you know. So if you just do that, do that. That'd be cool. And he's like, cool. No problem. So I'll even give you another copy of that memo. He almost like overdid it. Not almost. He did overdo it. So he left. And then the other boss, boom, who's like one level down, he came. Same deal. Hey, we're putting. Did you get that memo? TPS reports, cover sheets now, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I got the memo. I forgot. One time thing. He's like, yeah, I'm just, all those bosses were do, doing is making sure the problem got solved, right? Doing everything in their power. Even his other, his friends were like, hey, what's up? I heard you guys, you're having problems with your TPS. So they were just taking extreme ownership, taking ownership of the problem, trying to solve it. But we give them crap about it. Who do who do we give a movie in a movie somewhere? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they're trying to make it funny, dude. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But that's kind of ironic. But yeah, I know. But it's ironic, right? It is. It yeah. is. So I'm not even mad at Lumberg for that. I'm just saying.